Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. He's not the God of enough, he's the God of more than enough. He's the God of exceedingly, he's the God of abundantly, he's a God that's above and not beneath, he's a God that has excess, he's a God that's a provider, he's a God that when men says it's impossible, God says it's possible. He's a God that steps into the lowest moments and will set you on the highest place. He's a God that will step into the darkest hour and turn it into the brightest moment of your life. He's a God that will step into the hopelessness of your situation and give hope even in the midst of hopelessness. He's the God that will step in into the worst moment of your life. And when you look back, you'll realize that was one of the best things that could have ever happened to you because our God is the provider. Come on, give God some praise in the room. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. God, that's, that's not how we describe you. Those aren't the words that we came up to describe you. That's how you describe yourself. That's how you introduced yourself to us, that you are the God that provides, that you are the God that cares, that you are the God that meets our needs. And we declare that you are enough in Jesus name and everybody said amen one more time give Jesus some praise in the room so good so good to see you hey before you're seated before you're seated do me a huge honor and help me welcome everybody that's watching online this weekend and everybody who's here for the first time in this room come on would you make them feel welcome Coast Life family so thankful so thankful you're with us and you guys can be seated. So good to see you in the room, and I'm excited to kick off week two of our uh, Kingdom Collection, and last weekend I started this by saying that I want this, I want this whole collection to be more than just a topic we visit and move on from. I want this Kingdom Collection to be a part of the dialogue, the ongoing conversation. I, wanna, I want this to be so impactful that we circle back around to it so it gives us some language to, to, to lead our church into the future. And so I'm really thankful that you're here for week two of the Kingdom Collection. Anybody got your heart open, ready to receive the Word of God this weekend? If you have a Bible, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And I just want to talk about the importance of understanding the kingdom of God. When we don't understand the kingdom of God, we misrepresent the king. When we don't understand what Jesus came to establish, then we can't further and advance what Jesus came to build on the earth today. And when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching one thing, and that was repent, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. If that was the message of Jesus, how many of you in this room believe that we need to understand the kingdom of God? And I want to want to read to you Matthew chapter 11 verse 12, one verse of scripture. These are the words of Jesus. It says, "From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent 
take it by force. I want to preach a message this weekend called Kingdom Culture. I want to talk about the culture of the kingdom of God. And if, if I can just give us this idea that Jesus had and has a worldview. You know, we, it's a phrase you hear a lot in, in our culture, the idea of a worldview. It's just simply how we understand the world. It's how we relate to the world. It's how we believe the world should be. And so all of us have a worldview, but I think it's really vital that we understand that Jesus had a worldview. Jesus had a worldview. He, he saw the world. He understood the world. He wanted to relate to the world, and he wanted to create the world the way it should be. And Jesus' worldview is the kingdom of God. So if we want to know what our worldview should be, our worldview, our worldview should be through the lens of establishing, building, and advancing the kingdom of God. It was, it was the way that Jesus viewed the world of how the world should be. It was the kingdom of God established on the earth through his ministry and advanced through his church, that he would advance the kingdom of God. And people hear that phrase, and I think sometimes it's challenging to, to understand exactly what the kingdom of God is and how it relates in our world, but the, the kingdom of God is just simply God's will, God's rule, and God's reign on the earth. It's, 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 his, it's his will established. It's his rule. It's, his, it's the rule of his word and the authority of his word. It's, it's his reign through his presence on the earth today. The kingdom of heaven is the invisible rule of God on the visible earth. It's, it's God's word and his presence, but it's manifested in our visible earth. In other words, God speaks the word. We read it in the Bible. You, you, you don't physically see it, but it's supposed to manifest and show up in my life because it's guiding the things that I do and the way that I live my life. I love it, the way somebody described the kingdom of God. They said the kingdom of God is just God's way of doing things. It's how God does things, and, 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 and there is a, there's a kingdom culture, and a, a culture is just simply uh, comprised of the values and, and principles of a community or a society. It's, it's how we do things, and our, our church has a culture. We talk a lot about culture, and our church culture might be different than uh, another church's culture. A, a church might do things differently than, than our church. It's just how we do things. Here and, and and any place you go to, the, any territory, any place you go, there is a culture. I I grew up in Arkansas and I lived in Mississippi and then I lived in Michigan for a while and I've been in Florida for a, a long while now and I can tell you that there is a different culture in each of those places. And people would look at Arkansas and Mississippi; they're both deep South states. But I can actually hear if somebody's from Arkansas or if they're from Mississippi. Mississippi. The rest of the world just hears a southern twang. I know which part of the south they're from. Uh, 
because of, of the culture. It's a language. Every place has a culture, and we need to understand the kingdom of God. It may be an invisible place. It may be a spiritual place, but it is a place, and it has a culture. It's God's way of doing things. It's how God gets things done on the earth today, and Jesus came to establish something. He came to establish God's values. He came to establish God's will. He came to establish God's plan. He came to establish God's way of doing things and infiltrate it into our society so that his kingdom would permeate every facet of our society, our culture, and the culture we live in would be impacted by the culture that Jesus brought. Because the kingdom is God's way of doing things. And the only problem with the kingdom of God is that it is completely opposed to the kingdom of the world. It's, it's completely opposed by the kingdoms of the world. And Matthew 11 is a, is a difficult passage to understand because it uses words like violent and violence. It's a little bit, doesn't it feel contradictory to hear Jesus use words about his kingdom and use terminology like violence and violence. And people debate what this scripture is talking about and theologians have different thoughts. And, but my personal, my personal explanation is that the world, the way the world does things is so entrenched in people's thinking and people's behavior in, in how the world gets things done. It's so entrenched that it stands in opposition and sometimes even downright hatred of how God does things. So there's this entrenchment of, of thinking and behavior and believing and then God's way of doing things comes along and God wants us to establish his way of doing things and we need to understand that what we're battling is there is a belief and there are behaviors that are entrenched in the world and it stands in direct opposition of the establishment of the kingdom of God, which is why I wanted to name our building program as establishing heaven on earth because I don't care how much darkness is entrenched in our community we're going to establish God's kingdom on our earth and a culture is just simply a way of life it's what people understand to be true it's what we value it's 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 subsequently how life gets done and then the kingdom of God comes along and introduces us to kingdom culture and it says it's not what people understand to be true God has a different truth it's not how people it's not what people value the kingdom of God is what God values it's the there's a way the world does things but then there's how God has called us to live our lives and there is this opposition between how the world tells us to do things and then the counter cultural of part of the kingdom of God comes in and does something completely different in fact Jesus sort of defines this Matthew 10 39 he says if you cling to your life you will lose it but if you give your life up for me you will find it it's like, okay, explain how, if I, if I keep my life, 
I lose it. How, how in the world can I lose something that I'm trying to keep? It's because you're grabbing the wrong life. You're grabbing the life the world defined for you, and you have to get to this place where you realize that God's way of doing things is different than the world's way of doing things. So if I give up the life that I've shaped by the way the world said to do things, I'm actually losing that life, but I'm gaining a different life. I'm gaining a kingdom life that is not only a life that is here, but it's full of abundance and eternal life because God's bringing something into my life. It's God's way of doing things. It's countercultural. And Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist, because the, the audience and, and the culture that he's speaking to, they, they had heard John the Baptist come out of the wilderness and his, his hair is crazy and his wardrobe is different and his diet is really weird. And, and they heard him preaching and they thought that he was a lunatic and they started to reject him because he was so countercultural, he was so outside of their normative, he was so outside of their narrative that they thought that they were rejecting John the Baptist, a lunatic. But Jesus said, you weren't actually rejecting a lunatic, you were actually rejecting the kingdom of God because the message that he was preaching didn't fit into the narrative that you were believing. And so you thought you were just rejecting a messenger, but what you didn't realize was you were rejecting a kingdom that will never be shaken. And so the kingdom of heaven since the days of John the Baptist has been advancing and people are able to lay hold of it because our job isn't to fit in with the narratives of the world and fit into the entrenchment. Our job is to join those that are untrenching the world and establishing the kingdom of God on the earth. And we live in the crash between, between two kingdoms. The, the kingdom of God is, is crashing into the kingdom of the world. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you, go, go check out the message on YouTube on the podcast. But I want to describe and try to give language to the culture of the kingdom of God so that we can understand how we embrace the advancement of what God wants to do in the earth today. And I want to give you three simple truths that, that I believe will help define the kingdom of God because in the way that I want to do it is I want to, I want to define what the kingdom of God is not. Because I believe there's a lot of people who, who, who feel like they understand the mission of Jesus and feel like we understand the gospel, but I, my heart is that I believe there's a lot of worldly culture that has been infiltrated and blended with kingdom culture. And number one is this, is I want you to understand the kingdom of God is not neutral. It's, it's not a neutral place. If the kingdom of God were neutral, it wouldn't face opposition. The fact that there is opposition should be our first clue to understanding the kingdom of God isn't neutral. It doesn't blend with the ways of the world. It actually contradicts the ways of the world. It, it's violently sometimes opposed to the kingdoms of the world. And a lot of people believe the church should be neutral. A lot of people believe pastors should be neutral. But the kingdom of God isn't neutral. I love Dr. Peter Kreef said this. He said the word neutral has its roots in the word neutered. And anything that is neutered is unable to reproduce. 
So a church that is neutral will only be one generation deep. And the result of our culture that we're living in now is the result of a church that has lost its voice and become neutral and a world that found its voice and was not neutral on things that matter. The common thinking of philosophers not too long ago was give me 50 years and the children and I'll take over a nation. There's no, there's no future in neutrality. And the kingdom of God isn't neutral. The kingdom of God is a side. It's, it's, it's a side. It's, it's choosing a side. And I love the story of, of Joshua who was leading, an Old Testament leader who was leading the nation of Israel and they were about to go in and do battle with an enemy nation and he's just about to step into this battle and he encounters someone, Joshua 5, 13 through 14. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua encountered an angel as he's about to go into a battle to fight for territory. And when he encountered the angel, he said, are you on our side or are you on their side and the angel said I'm not on their side and I'm not on your side I'm the one that's on God's side and Joshua said I need to know tell me what you want me to hear the kingdom of God is a side it's not my side it's not your side the kingdom of God is God's side it's a representation and we need to understand Listen to me, God has a side. He has a side. It's not what's on this political side or what's on that political side. We need to be a church that is looking for what is God's side because everything that we're facing, God has a side. And we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What are we seeking? We're seeking God's side in every issue of life, in every issue of our culture, in every issue of our society. I'm not looking for my side. I'm not looking for your side. I'm looking for God's side. When it comes to the unborn, God has a side. He has chosen a side. I stand on the side of the unborn, of championing the life of the unborn. When it comes to human sexuality, God isn't neutral. God has a side. When it comes to how people of different races relate to one another, God has a voice. God has a side. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter your nationality. You better learn how to love people who are different than you. And if you're a part of the family of God, your skin color doesn't matter. We're all one family in God's kingdom. When it comes to gender, God has a side. When it comes to your marriage, God is God on the husband's side or God is, is God on the wife's side? It's not, is it on the husband or the wife? Are you on God's side? Have you chosen his plan and his purpose? When it comes to truth, what is, is it this person's truth or is it that person's truth? No, God has his own truth and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the question is, it, is God on this side or on that side? The question is, are we on God's side? That's the question. 
It's like, is God on the Democrat side or is God on the Republican side? No, the question needs to be, are we on God's side? Is God on this politician's side or is God on that politician's side? No, the question is, which side is that politician on? Is he on God's side? God has a side and the answer to the polarization in our nation isn't going one way or the other. It's not a church that's pointing left or right. It's a church that's pointing up saying there's one who has truth. There's one who has the answers. There's one who has the voice and I'm not trying to tell you what I think I'm not trying to tell you what they think I'm trying to say thus saith the Lord this is God's word and we need to define some things like people don't understand like you're being political when you talk no 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 not being political I'm being biblical and we've convinced been convinced that these are political issues and then we've chosen sides, and we need to remember, no, God has a side. Amen. There needs to be biblical solutions to the cultural problems. We need kingdom solutions. Everybody say, God has a side. Has a side. The second thing is the kingdom of God isn't passive. It's not neutral. It's a, it's a defined side. And it's not passive. It, it didn't come to just get along with everybody didn't come to be stagnant. The kingdom of God is advancing. It's advancement. Jesus talked about the kingdom. He would talk about it being like a, like a small seed that sprouted into something large. It became influential. He would talk about the kingdom of God. He would talk about it being like a, a little bit of leaven mixed into a whole lot of dough. And then eventually the leaven would permeate the entire lump of dough. He's talking about his values, his, 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 his word, his presence, permeating, does this make sense? Permeating every segment of society. So it didn't just come to just stay in a church. It came to advance into every part of society. It came to advance a kingdom. And in Jesus's day, especially in, in, as you read the scripture, in that time, if a king wanted to advance his kingdom, he would gather all the swords he could gather and he would gather all the military he could gather and he would wage a physical war against whatever other kingdom he wanted to take their territory. And so one, one earthly kingdom would replace another earthly kingdom. And Jesus made it clear that he didn't come to advance his kingdom at the edge of a sword the way the earthly kings do because his kingdom wasn't of this world. John 18, 38, Jesus answered, my kingdom, and I want you to listen to this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would take up, would, would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. If I was going to if I was going to establish a kingdom the way every other earthly king would establish it, my servants would be taking up swords, they'd be fighting. Jesus said, that's not, that's not what I came to do. And often the mistake is that is since the kingdom isn't of the world, that it isn't advanced in the world. The kingdom of God isn't of the world, but it's in the world and it's for the world. And we advance the kingdom of God in the world and advancing the kingdom of God means there's opposition to the kingdom of God. So when Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Isn't that an interesting word? Like when you, when you think about the message of Jesus, of all the words you might choose, violence might be at the end of the list, right? 
Jesus came, peace, like little doves floating around him, butterflies, holding the lamb, a gentle beard, like, you know, rubbing kids' heads. And Jesus, Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come. He said, I didn't come to bring a physical sword. I didn't come to, to raise up a, a physical army to fight physical battles. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to bring a physical sword, but he did say he came to bring a sword. Matthew 10, 34 through 37. And this is so, this is so countercultural right now. This is so off the radar for so many people, but this, this isn't my words. This, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And whoever loves father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Somebody say, that's some strong words, Jesus. Some strong words. I didn't, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Like what's, You just said your kingdom wasn't of the world. You just said your servants aren't going to take up arms and fight like all the other kingdoms do. But you said you came, Jesus, I, I didn't come to bring a physical sword. I came to bring a different type of sword. I, I came to bring a spiritual sword. I came to bring something that still has potency and power because every time there is a thought that is believed in our brains, thoughts are not just, are not just invisible things. Thoughts actually become physical because every time you have a thought, there are neurons that release brain chemicals known as neurotransmitters, which generate electrical signals in neighboring neurons, and it actually creates pathways in your brain. And so there is something physically shaped in your brain, and then you build emotional connections to the thoughts that you have. You find comfort and you find peace in what you think and know to be true. And so someone sits in the world, they're taught the world world's ways, they're taught the world's values, they're told this is the truth, this is the way that life is, this is how you should live your life, you should live your life for you, you should move on your feelings, you should respond to however you want to define your sexuality, whatever you want to define your gender, live your life how you want to live it, and then Jesus comes and he says, I want to give you the truth, I have a plan for you, I have a purpose for you, that what you've been told is not the truth, and it's jolting, and in fact, the world would call it violence. You ever heard that? phrase, you woke up and you chose violence. Like, you chose violence. Why? Because when I have a thought, it creates a physical space in my brain, and then I have an emotional connection to it, and when somebody comes along and they give me a different truth, it is jolting to my whole physical body that everything I've built my life on just got stabbed, and sometimes people come into a place where the Word of God is preached, and their whole life, they have built strongholds, and they have built mental, mental pathways ways and emotional connections to things the world has told them you should build your life on. And Jesus comes along and says, everything you've been told is a lie and I'm going to set you free and I'm going to bring a sword. It's not a physical sword, but it is the sword of the spirit and it is going to cut you. It is not going to cut you physically in order to kill you or to harm you, but it is going to cut you spiritually. It's sharper actually than any physical sword because it doesn't divide the flesh. It divides the soul and 
and the spirit and it goes into the heart of you and the sword I'm going to swing, it is not to kill you or to harm you. It's to cut you loose from every negative toxic thing that has ever held you back from understanding who I created you to be, who I called for you to be, the future that I have for you. And it's jolting when you hear the truth because I've had all of this and it didn't bring peace, but it sure brought freedom because Jesus set me free. There's something that happens when that, when that is formed in our brains. And Jesus came to bring a truth that would, that would help set us free. Jesus woke up and chose violence, y'all. Because I can believe something as long as I want to believe it. That when I hear it, it it's, it's, so re- it's so jolting. And then Jesus said, I didn't come so that this nation would fight this nation. That's not how the battle is going to play out. It's not so this, this nation is going to try to take over this nation. He said, no, the division that's actually going to happen isn't between nation and nation. The division is going to happen between the way this person thinks and the way this person thinks. That it's not going to just be nation against nation. There's going to be a dad that is entrenched in the world, but there's going to be a son that is establishing the kingdom of heaven. And you're going to find out that I actually didn't come to make peace in your home. I actually came to expose the division that that's the world. You're on the world side. I'm going to stand on God's side that that's the way the world thinks, but I'm not here to represent the way the world thinks. And Jesus said, if you can't handle that, then you're actually not worthy of what I'm going to do in your life. And I just want to encourage somebody. Jesus is is worthy. He is worthy of being rejected by your own family. He is worthy of being unaccepted by the world that we live in. He's worthy of you not going viral on social media because they don't like the content that you post. He is worthy of you being canceled because you took a stand. I'm not standing on the world's side. I'm standing on God's side. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of us embracing the fact that there's opposition. We're advancing the kingdom of God. And a lot of people have misunderstood and thought we aren't supposed to have enemies. Jesus actually said to pray for your enemies. So the fact that you're supposed to pray for them should tell you you're going to have them. And there's this narrative that the kingdom of God is, is passive, that it's neutral, no, 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 it's a side, it's God's side, and I'm here to take God's side, and I'm here to advance God's side, and there's going to be incredible opposition, but I've got good news, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Here's the third thing, here's the third thing the kingdom is, that the kingdom isn't weak. Like there's this, an idea of weakness, of passivity, of neutrality, the kingdom is meek, but it isn't weak. It's an invisible kingdom, but it's an influential kingdom. It's not meant to just be passive. It's meant to influence, to have influence. Watch this, on your job, at your school, your company. This church is supposed to influence the community that we're in. And Jesus asked this question, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I think it's, I, I hope... I've wrestled with it. I hope you'll wrestle with it. I hope our church wrestles with it. He said, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
Here's the question Jesus asked. He said, what good is salt that's lost its flavor? If you have salt and you pour it out and it has no taste, you're not gonna keep it. It's good for nothing. You just throw it out. What good is a kingdom that's lost its influence? What good is a church that's lost its voice? What good is a Christian that's lost its witness? We had to, we had to find our voice. We had to find our strength. We're not weak, we're meek. Meek isn't weak, it's strength under control. It's controlled, it's con- controlled strength. What does that mean? It means we don't air every opinion that we have. I love this word picture of, of meekness. It's, it's of, a, of a war horse going into battle, but it's under the control of a general. That's, that's a picture of meekness. The, the horse is strong. The horse is powerful. The horse is fast. But it's not, it's not darting in every direction that it senses. It's being guided by a general so that strength is under control. Does that make sense? And so as believers, we're, we're not weak, we're meek. We have authority, we have power, we have the word of God, but we're not erring of every opinion that we have about everything that doesn't matter in this life. We're understanding that when we speak, we're taking a side, we're taking God's side, and we're not representing this party, and we're not representing that party, and we're not representing that person. We're representing a king who has a kingdom, and we've come to establish the kingdom of God. I was talking with somebody one time and it it was like so weird because they were taking sort of a place of spiritual authority and and, and we're trying to air complaints about about the state of the church and about specifically the state of our church and and they literally in the rant was like these these guys wearing skinny jeans and I I didn't have the heart to tell them that that skinny jeans pretty much played out about five years ago and now all the young people are wearing like baggy pants and I'm a afraid and scared. I don't know what's going on with that. And, and, and your, your cultural reference is off. And there was a pastor who was like, you know, pastors wearing, wearing deep V-neck t-shirts. Like, like the almighty God cares about how much material is in the pant leg of your jeans or the almighty God cares about the neckline of, of your shirt. Like that's, that's just your opinion. You're just afraid. That's what it, that's fear coming out and you're lashing out and you think it's strength. It's actually weakness. You just want to air your opinion. No meekness is I don't want to speak to matters that just aren't, that are irrelevant, that God hasn't spoke to. But if God has a side, I'm going to speak boldly and courageously that this is what God's side is. I want to speak confidently. I want to speak with courage what it is that God has to say. I'm not airing my thoughts. I'm not airing my opinions. I'm not trying to push my politics. I'm just trying to advance a kingdom. God has a side. He has a plan for our world. He has a plan for our culture and our society and I'm not here to advance myself I'm not here to advance my own agenda I am here to advance the mission of Jesus Christ I am here to build the church and I'll use my voice and I'll do it with courage and I'll do it with confidence and I won't be afraid because it feels like there are more of them than there are of us but we need the spirit of Elisha when they were surrounded by an army and his servant came out and he saw everybody around them and Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. He's not seeing it right. He needs to know there's more with us than there is with them. That all of heaven is on the side of those who will take 
God's side. And I just want to remind you today, church, we're on God's side. That we're on His side. And heaven has your back. The armies of the angel of the Lord surround His people. Come on, give God some praise in the room today. Come on, give God some praise in the room today. Like, I feel surrounded. There's feels so overwhelming. No, 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 no. Open our eyes. There's more for us than there is with them. All of history is on our side. <laughs> I said all of history is on our side. We're the church that watches Goliaths fall at the sling of a man named David. I love, I actually love this season that we're in because we actually get to live the Bible. We get to be the three Hebrew boys who say, we won't bow and we won't bend. You can throw us in the fire, but our God is able. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. We get to be the generation of Daniel who says, you can make all the laws you want to make. We answer to a higher power and we won't stop praying. We won't stop worshiping. We won't stop advancing the kingdom of God. That's who we get to be. Find your courage. If you find fear, you'll start lashing out at everything. But if you'll get the quiet confidence, I'm not representing myself, I'm advancing the kingdom. I'm on God's side. I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say what God said. And Jesus is, he's worthy. He's worthy of being hated, even sometimes by family members. He's worthy. He's worthy of all the hate, the negativity. No, Jesus, you are worthy. Would anybody in this room just say, Jesus, you're worthy. Come on all across this room. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're so good, you're so good, you're so good. You're worthy. It's worth it, it's worth it. It's worth it to be on the right side. It's worth it to stand on truth. It's worth it to build your house on something that the world will never be able to shake. The world will never be able to erode. That the storms of life will never be able to take it out. We're building our lives on a, on a firm foundation. I want to encourage somebody. Maybe you're in this room. I want to ask, what are you building your life on? Jesus said, my words. If you will build I want you to notice, if you will build your life on my words. He said, there's two people. There's a guy who built a house and he built it on sand. There was no foundation under it. The storms of life came and the storms of life are gonna come. And when the storms of life came, the wind blew and the rain fell and the flood and the wind washed the house away. All that effort, all that time, all that investment, just simply gone. Man, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. But he said, my words, if you will build your life, specifically on my words, on my words, if you will build your life on my words, the winds are gonna come, the rain is gonna come, but your house is gonna be built on a solid rock. Anybody thankful that Jesus' words, that his teaching, 
that it confronts me sometimes. I get, I get stabbed sometimes. I'm like, Jesus, why, why are you stabbing me? No, I'm trying to get truth into you so you can build something that when one generation goes, it's not gone, but you're here for eternity. You've got an abundant life and you've got eternal life through Jesus Christ. Come on, let's, let's sing for a minute, Coast Life Church. I just want you to sing these words as a declaration over your life. This is my firm foundation and the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken I've never been I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus cause he's never let me down he's faithful through generations so glad I put my faith in Jesus. I want to give somebody an opportunity in this room that online, there are people watching online, there's people in this room. I just want to ask the question, what are you building your life on? Is it, is it on the teachings of Jesus? Is it on the words of Jesus? Is there maybe things that have been entrenched into you, like you've been told them, you've been taught them, you have emotional connections to them, and then you, you read the Bible and it's, it's piercing, it's jolting, it's violet. I just want to lead you in a moment that I think one day you're going to turn around and you're going to sing the, songs of this, the words of this song and you're going to be, I'm so glad I went to Saturday Night Church at Coast Life Church. I'm so glad I made that decision. I'm so glad I took that step of faith. Come on, I just want to encourage somebody. This is your moment. This is your moment. And like, man, you don't, you don't know where I've been. I don't know, don't care. I just know in this moment, God can wash away the past. Yes. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. You can't, but God can do it through you. And generations from now, they're going to sing the song. I'm so glad they put their faith in Jesus because it's passed on from generation to generation. Neutrality, there's no future, but if you'll take a stand, my question is, are you building your life on Jesus? I want to lead us in a prayer. If you want to make that decision tonight, maybe for the first time, or maybe you need to realize that it's a time to come back and start building a life on faith in Jesus Christ. I want to lead us in a prayer for those that are watching online, for those that are in this room. I want to lead you in the prayer, but I just want you to pray this out loud. I want this to be a, a confession out of your heart. You can have my words, but what God wants is your faith and your confession in this moment. And I want the whole church just to say this prayer with me because this is somebody's decision right now. I'm making a decision from this moment. I'm building my life on Jesus Christ. 
Come on, let's say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin. Make me a new person. Today I receive you as my leader, my Lord, my King. And I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise, Coast Life Church. Really, 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 really simply, if, if you're online and you're in this room, if you just made the decision in this moment, I'm going to build my life on Jesus. Whether that was a first-time decision or it's a, it's a recommitment in this room, like, man, I, I think I've been building on some things and I want to build on Jesus. I'm believing so strong for you that the best is yet to come right now, that there's so much God is wanting to do in your life. I'm going to count to three just so you have a moment of declaration. This is my moment. I'm building on Jesus. You ready, Coast Life family? When I get to three online, type Jesus in all caps in this room. When I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up confidently, courageously. I want you to make it a declaration. I am building my life on Jesus Christ. You ready, Coast Life family? Come on. Let's encourage some people on the count of three. If that was you, one. One, two, if that was you, three, would you just lift your hand and say, I'm, I'm going to build my life on Jesus. I'm going to build it, making commitment, a step of faith. I'm going to build it on Jesus. Come on, give him a great hand. Say welcome to the family of God. Hey, thank you for joining us, and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible, and you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening, and God bless you.